Praise the Lord. I invite you to turn. We continue in our study in the book of Ephesians to chapter 5. And today we'll begin with verse 1. And by 3 o'clock this afternoon, we should be over to chapter 6 and verse 9. So just kind of get comfortable, okay? We got it. We got it. The Lord's got it. The Lord's got it. But this is a group of themes together, and I've given you a very detailed outline uh, that hopefully you can take home and just spend a little more time with it uh, as to what the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church there at Ephesus. The title of the message, and of course you know when I get here on Sunday, uh, in my mind and heart I could revise the title several times, but I've got it listed there as next level living. It could be a new level of living and most definitely a radical level of living. Let's pray again. Almighty God, how I pray that this word that seizes my heart, which is one of those signs I believe that it is your word, and now I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that this word would seize all our hearts, make a difference in our lives to take us to a new level, maybe a radical level, the next level that you have for us in our life, and may, Lord Jesus, it also have an impact in our community, in our society. Forgive us of our sins. We pray together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died for us and rose again, who intercedes for us and is coming back for us one day. Amen. Imagine with me a world that had never heard of Jesus and possibly had never heard of the God of Israel. Those are the places that the Apostle Paul preached. Imagine a second thing, and that is that you have just accepted Christ and you have come out of that world that had never heard of Jesus. Paul is preaching you know, within the first 20 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And the word about Jesus, he is the point person and the one, the forerunner that is getting the good news of Jesus out uh, and all of the disciples are being dispersed around the world. But imagine a world, and especially uh, in Ethiopia, where very pagan very pagan, very secular, very religious community, but not of the God of Israel and most definitely not yet of Christianity. And imagine you're in that world and the Apostle Paul comes and preaches and the Holy Spirit witnesses to you and you accept Jesus Christ. That's the world that Paul was called to. That's the world that he was called to. And everything that he is sharing with them in the book of Ephesians is he is sharing with them now that you have come out of that world. Now that Christ is in your life, 
Now you are to be living at a next level, a new level, and absolutely a radical level in your relationship to Jesus Christ. I'm going to read some passages of Scripture and leave to you to read and to follow these others. And if you do have the outline, it's very detailed and we will just hit the bullet points. But the first thing in these verses that the Apostle Paul is calling them to is a next level of character in their personal life, a new level, a new level. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, but all things have become new. And he is indicating to them here in this opening section, you need to come to grips with the fact that you are now called to a next level, a new level, a radical lifestyle in Jesus Christ. And you see the three points here under it, if you have it. And that is, we are called because of Jesus Christ to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. Let's look at the verses. Opening chapter 5, the apostle says, Therefore, meaning because you are now followers of Jesus Christ, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. When we imitate God, we walk in love. And our example is, as Christ also has loved us, given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, I'm going to read verses 3 through 7. They are very, very harsh words depicting the vulgar, lewd, ungodly society out of which they have come to accept Jesus Christ. And so when the apostle is telling them to walk in love, he then says, But fornication and all uncleanness or uncovetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. People set aside by the blood of Jesus. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse gesturing. Notice all of that. Sometimes we go to the extreme, the extreme in these lists, but the apostle is saying, you're not even supposed now to be giving yourselves to foolish talking or coarse gesturing. These are not fitting. They are not fitting who have accepted Jesus Christ and are walking in love. But he says, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, but because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of obedience. Therefore do not be partakers with him. When we accept Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ, we are called to a next level in our character. Loosely, I think I read somewhere that reputation is what other people think about us. Character is who we are when nobody else is seeing us. And in Jesus Christ, we are challenged to move to the next level, a new level, a radical level in our character, and this call to live in the world walking in love was totally foreign to the first century world. And they had devoted themselves to these horrible things that are listed there. He then tells them that as a result of that love, you are to walk in the light. 
walk in the light. I'm going to tie all of this together in a moment. And so moving to verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. We are to walk in love, and by the love of God, we become children of light. And as children of light, we no longer walk in the darkness of the sin and the evil of the world. And as children of light, we can see the darkness that we have come out of. We can see that we are living in the light. And Jesus in that Sunday school lesson this morning once again said, I am the light of the world. And we follow Jesus Christ because he illuminates the path that we go as opposed to, and he mentioned some other terrible things here, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I wish sometimes in a commentary or in a study Bible you would go back and see what kind of society Ephesus was. It was appalling. Paul says in verse 12, it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. When we accept Jesus Christ, when we come out of the world and we come into the kingdom of God, we are living at a next level in our character. That is, we are walking in love as Christ is love. We are walking in the light of the revelation of God. And as a result of that, we are then able to walk in wisdom. We go to verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. There is a better way. And I don't know how they did it, and I've tried to make it to where it would be contemporary for us But the Apostle Paul now is telling them that you are to be filled with the Spirit. You are walking in love. You are walking in the light of God. And as a result of it, you are now wise. You are not a bunch of fools running around doing these terrible, horrible, ugly things that besmirch whatever character you might think you have. But he says, now filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I can't begin to imagine how they were applying this. Maybe James can help us sometimes. But I think that anytime we are greeting someone and they say, how are you doing? And we say, I am blessed. We are singing a hymn of praise to God. I am blessed. I am blessed. I tell you, was uh, trying to remember, oh, I was, in a, I was in a restaurant the other night, which is every night for me, just about it. 
I have gotten so bored with Marie Callender. I can't look her in the face again. And I told y'all that one night I asked her to marry me and she said no. Now to those who don't know Marie, that's a frozen dinner, all right? So I was in this place the other night. I ordered my food to go. All these places are having trouble finding help. And a young lady that is managing that one is a great Christian. And if you ask her, how am I doing? She say, I am highly favored and blessed. That's a hymn. That's a praise to God. That's the way we should be greeting one another because of the new level, the radical level we have in Jesus Christ. So I waited and I had a good time sitting there on the bench and I chatted up everybody that came in. I mean, I chatted them up, made all kinds of connections. And after really about 30 minutes, the person back there cooking, I felt for him, came to the counter and said, did you order the whatever it was? He said, because you've waited so long and patient, I am doubling your order. You know what I said? I am highly favored and blessed. I did right there. I said, I am highly favored and blessed. And I got two meals out of that. Here is what I, am, I struggle with. And I make an application here. And I think many of you are. And that is... And, and, I, and it, it's not everywhere, but it, if you watch the news, you think it's everywhere, but it is most definitely very frightening and epidemic, and that is the violence across America. And I just can't believe that somebody will walk into a subway and push somebody in front of a train. I can't believe that somebody walking down a sidewalk will just all of a sudden hit some poor fella up the side of the head or hit somebody with a ball bat. And I'm like, what is going on in this world? What is going on? I'm shocked by it. I do not tend to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I believe that this is what is happening because I believe that whatever is happening, I believe that God has the answer, friends. I believe Jesus is the answer, and I believe that we are here to proclaim that answer. And so I look at it and with great compassion, there are mental health needs. With anguish, woke, done broke, our criminal justice system. There are, though, in my mind, a lot of angry people. They're angry. And like Cain of the Old Testament, God warned him, if you don't deal with that anger... Sin is crouching at the door. And hurt, I'm not giving anybody a pass, but hurt people, hurt people. And I can't help but believe, but beyond some other reasons, there are a lot of hurting people in our nation and in the world. And what they need to hear is that God loves you. God loves you like he loved me. God loves you and gave himself for you like he gave for me. And now I walk in the light and I know better. And now I have wisdom and I make better choices. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I think back to one of the testimonies of Corey Ten Boom, 
well known for the hiding place. They lived in Holland during World War II, but they were a refuge for Jews escaping the Holocaust, and they were discovered. So their family went into Ravensbrück, a concentration camp. Her father died. Her sister died. Corey Ten Boom survived it. Her brother died, I think, fighting in the resistance. And she came out of that experience as a, one of her books, A Tramp for the Lord, telling everybody about Jesus. She could have been bitter. She could have turned against God, but she used that to tell everybody about Jesus. She tells of one night speaking, and she recognized in the back of the room a guard from the concentration camp. And her heart froze and her blood ran cold. Afterwards, that guard walked right straight up to her, stuck out his hand and said, Fraulein Ten Boom, isn't the love and the grace and the mercy of God wonderful? She froze and she began to pray, God, help me raise my hand. God, Oh, I get chill bumps thinking about it. Help me raise my hand. And she raised her hand and she shook that guard who had been so much a part of a brutal part of history and shook his hand and said, yes, yes. You say, what's the point of this? I'm telling you, the God that can melt the heart of a holy Holocaust guard can melt the hearts of angry, violent people in the streets of America. Amen. That God can melt their hearts. Paul is calling them to a new level, a radical level, the next level in their character. And that character is, you have been set apart. You are a saint. You are holy. Let us show the love of Christ that others will see the light and they will make better choices in their life. Moving right along, the apostle now goes to meddling with our marriages. What a great thought on Valentine's weekend. In verses 22 through 33, he is telling them that now that you are in Christ, you got to move to a next level in your marriage. There's a new way in Jesus for you to be looking at marriage. There's a new level there. And it is radical. In that society, and it still exists in the Middle East, a patriarchal, patriarchal culture, women were not even considered persons. Jewish males would pray every morning, I thank God that I'm not a Gentile and that I am not a woman. Women had no rights, they were property. They were owned, they were subservient to their husband in that marriage. And I can tell you all the way from William Barclay to J. Vernon McGee, people who take this passage to try to continue to impose that cultural mindset on marriages has missed the whole meaning of this section. Listen to the Word of God. Wives, submit to your own husband's as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, also Christ is head of the church. 
And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now listen to verse 32. Read all of this other in there. The apostle then says, this is a great mystery. And he's really not trying to offer any kind of marriage counseling, but he is using Christ and the church as an example of what a next level, a new level, a radical marriage is supposed to look like in Jesus Christ. And so he says, there, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church, meaning that the relationship of a husband and wife should be the relationship of Christ and his church. Nevertheless, let each one of us in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The new level, the next level of marriage is that it is to be defined by Christ and not culture. Because some culture in America hasn't changed. And I preached in a lot of places. And over 56 years, I preached in some places that I'm not so sure you could find today. But they are still operating by first century cultural marriage. But we are to do, our marriage relationship is to be like that as Christ above culture. He came to set us free. When he says, and it was so radical, when Paul said, there in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free. The apostle Paul was saying, the ground at the foot of the cross is level, friends. What does the Bible say? God is no respecter of persons. And so, in Christ, marriage takes on a new definition and it is to take on a biblical and a Christian definition. And it's a relationship and not a role. If you're hung up in who's in charge, you're missing, you're missing the joy of a marriage relationship. I had a guy tell me one time, and he was kidding, a dear friend, and he said of his marriage, I want to know, when am I going to get to vote my 50%? And I said, son, you ain't even registered to vote in that precinct. <laughs> it's the relationship, and look at it this way. Let us be clear about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We love Him. We adore Him. We worship Him. We serve Him. We fall at His feet, but we don't grovel as a slave who is terrified. It is out of our gratitude. And Christ gave Himself for us, holding nothing back which means that a marriage then should be Christian, not bound by some culture. It is a relationship and not stymied by who's in charge here. And it is sacrificial and not selfish. Giving of ourselves.
and not being what about me? What about me? I was going to read 1 Corinthians 13 when we came in here, and I want to read it now. That beautiful love passage that I read so often at weddings unless they have a choice of something. And that is, as the apostle is talking about love in the church, he says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up, meaning arrogant and proud. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own, being selfish. Is not provoked, easy to be upset. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, those wrong things. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. When we accept Jesus Christ, we move to a new level, a radical level in our understanding of marriage. And that is, it is Christ first. It is the relationship that's important. And it's giving of ourselves completely. I wish I could say that this next word, as tender and as precious as it is, that I could say across the board was 100% of me, but it can't be said of any of us. But Barclay uses an illustration one time of a very plain, ordinary-looking man, present company excluded. Who married an unbelievably beautiful woman. That was my case. Kind of a vain friend of the lady asked her one day, Why did you marry him? You could have had anybody you wanted. And she said, Because he never hurt my feelings. Isn't that sweet? Let us resolve not to hurt each other's feelings. We're not perfect. But the new level of marriage, the next level, the radical level, is a relationship as precious, as powerful, as intimate and and loving as this church is with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? That's what we go for. Now, we move right along. Next level, parenting. I am an expert here. You know, every once in a while I have to give you a hearing test, okay? (laughs) Now Paul moves to that now that you are in Christ, you got to up your parenting skills. Children were like women in that day, had no value, Ignored and neglected by their father in particular. In fact, in some of the more pagan cultures, the baby would be brought and laid down at the father's feet, read history, and to decide whether the father, we're going to keep this child or not. The apostle now tells them, we're at a different place. We're at a different place in our parenting. Chapter 6 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. That doesn't mean what we think it means. I think my daddy thought that's what it meant. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. What he is telling us here, and you see a triplet again, that in our parenting we are to model and not mandate. When he says here, and of of the Ten Commandments, there was only one that had a promise with it, and that is honor your father and mother, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Scholars are pretty well in agreement that that was a word to an adult to take care of their parent so that their children might learn by example and model how to respect their elders. Isn't that good? Yes. Adults, take care of your aging parents. Then your children one day will take care of you. When I moved to Baptist Village, which was a shock, I just got under the wire age-wise. I called my oldest daughter, Suzanne, and I said, Suzanne, when I can't take care of myself here, I'm coming to you. She said, come on, Pop. I got a place picked out for you. Oh, my Lord. I got a place. I wonder if there's a place called a place for Pop. There is a mandate here, and let me tell you, adult parents, If you still are blessed with your parents, take care of them and oh, what you model for your children. And then the apostle is telling us in parenting in Jesus Christ, we are to teach our children and not fuss at them all the time. And as he says, do not provoke them to wrath. And I wonder if a lot of the problems in our streets today is the result of poor parenting and the lack of a father figure. And they are growing up and going out in the world feeling as if they have been cheated. And they're angry. One of my favorite stories of the family that goes into a restaurant. They've got a little boy. The waitress comes up, takes the dad's order, takes the mother's order, turns to the little fella and asks what he'd like to have. And one of the parents says, he'll have the child's vegetable plate. The waitress acts like she doesn't hear the parent. She looks at the little fellow again and says, and what will you have? And he says, I'll have a hamburger and a Coke. (laughs) And then she says, would you like fries with that? And she said, yes, I would. He said, yes, I would. When she left, he turned around and looked at his parents and says, you know what? She thinks I'm a real person. (laughs) Our children are real people. And let's teach them and let's encourage them. And oh my goodness, how important that our children are nurtured in Christ and not the culture that we live in. Don't provoke them to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Teach your child the faith. Nurture them in the faith. Emplace into them the love for God. I encourage academics. 
I encourage athletics. I encourage arts. But parent, please do not send your child out of your house without Jesus Christ. Amen. Do not send them out into the world without Jesus. And so the last. They'll just have to squeeze this at the radio station. The apostle not only is telling them, it's time for a new level of your character. It's time for a new level in marriage. It's time for a new level, next level in parenting. And now it's time that you looked at your career and the work that you did, and it needs to be new and different in Jesus Christ too. He's writing to slaves and masters, but what he has to say here, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. In Christ, when we go to work, we need to realize that we are working for the Lord. Two guys were building a building one day and somebody stopped and said, what are you doing? And one man said, I'm laying brick. And the other man said, I'm building a monument. We need to know that if we are the boss or the supervisor that we are to lead like the Lord who said, take my yoke upon you for I am gentle and lowly. And my yoke is easy and I will give you rest. We are to respect those whom we are over. And how we do, we are going to receive from the Lord. So, imagine a world that does not know Jesus and imagine that you have come out of that world and accepted Christ. All things become new, friend our character, our marriage, our parenting, and the way we go and do work. Are you ready for something new, radical, and next? I invite you to Jesus. Will you come as we stand and sing?